Whiskey for the Ages is not sponsored or endorsed for any product or program mentioned in this show and receive no remuneration from their creators. Everybody. Welcome back to Whiskey for the Ages. I'm your host Brian Dawson and as always Hannah and Alora are with me. Hello everyone, Hannah here. Hi everyone, it's Alora. I'm technically actually not with you guys. I'm over in grad school right now so I'm in a completely different state. <laughs> but I'm still here. <laughs> I was going to mention that but you get me to it. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening in. This is the first episode of our Series 2. We're excited to continue podcasting as we had a lot of fun presenting our first series. We certainly did, and there's a lot of things that we talked about before ending that series to go, okay, you know, next season we're going to do this, next season we're going to do that, and we're excited to go on these new adventures here with this one. A lot of fun. And as Laura said, a lot's happened since our last broadcast. We've had the big change. Laura is no longer here. She's yeah. off having fun elsewhere, but she's with us in spirit anyway. Yeah, and uh, over this call, yeah. <laughs> I'm pursuing my music performance degree, my master's. So it should be a two-year program. So far, it's been very hectic, but very, very fun. <laughs> yeah. And I know that there are a lot of listeners out there who have uh, gotten to interact with the family on a, on a personal level. And there's quite a few of y'all that say that Laura and I sound very similar. So maybe the difference in audio will be a clue in for you this season to know which one of us it is. Yeah. Totally get it. We hear it all the time. But I'm me. Yeah, I think they know that one. They, I think they know that one. Well, for this first episode of the series... I decided we were going to do a review. Now there was some reasoning behind this. September is National Bourbon Heritage Month and there's this thing called the 30 Bourbons in 30 Days Challenge and this year I'm involved with it. This is my third year I've done it and I've got a twist or I've added a twist. I'm reviewing 30 Bourbons in 30 Days. Now, that's a pretty big ask, but what I did is I opened our bunker and I found bourbons that, frankly, have been languishing there for a while, and I needed to catch up, so I thought, well, this is the perfect opportunity. There's some big hitters and there's some things that, frankly, I've never had before, and it's going to be a fun one. So for this episode, we are going to be reviewing Woodenville straight bourbon out of Washington. Washington State. Washington State, exactly. Yep. Our neighbors to the west. So Woodenville... <laughs> yes, yes. So this is a Washington straight bourbon. Of course, that means that it was made in Washington. It's made in Woodenville, Washington from the Woodenville Whiskey Company. It has a mash bill of 72% corn, 22% rye, and 6% malt barley. So that's a high, kind of a higher rye content then. Yes. It's cooperage, what the barrels are made out of, are 18-month seasoned oak. Now when they talk seasoned oak, that simply means the oak staves were left out in the open to air dry. Then they were toasted. In other words, they weren't burnt, but they were just toasted and then given a heavy char once assembled. This bourbon has no age statement. It is 45% alcohol or 90 proof, and it has an MSRP of $40 here in Idaho. When we were in the location where Alora is, it was about that same price there. So Alora, I've uh, noticed you've taken a couple of... Sniffs. Sniffs. What are you detecting? 
Well, I haven't really narrowed it down yet, but uh, I was shocked. I was expecting like a caramely sort of thing because I, where I'm sitting right now, I'm kind of in my living room, living living space. I was detecting a little bit of caramel. I think I'm getting a lot of herbs, actually. I'm getting a lot of herbs. I'm getting a lot of um, pepper. I'm definitely getting rye bread out of this. Caraway seeds. Caraway is a really, really popular thing to be putting in rye bread. It's got a slight sweet flavor. To me, how I compare it, it's kind of like a mix between wheat and fennel. Fennel's like a... Licorice? Licorice sort of thing. It's not star anise, but it is sweet like licorice. So it's kind of like a mix between the two. A lot of times they'll put fennel in uh, sausage. Yeah, yeah. I personally really like to put fennel in rye bread simply because it makes it a lot sweeter. And it's just nice to have another tang to the flavor, you know. So yeah, a lot of bread, a lot of spices and herbs. I think that's a good word to describe it, a tang. There, There is a tang here. I know you said that you didn't really get a whole lot of sugars or caramels. I actually do. A bit more on the burnt variety of a sugar, though. So much so that it's a touch bitter, but not offensively so. I also get a lot of wood out of this. Um, we did talk about this particular bourbon, the aging process, the coopering process of Woodenville is unique um, in comparison to a lot of other distilleries and how they do that. That have They have that air dry um, technique, so not only is it just sitting down in air, we also have to take into consideration that it's kind of absorbing a lot of the weather that's going on around too. And I think that really comes in as well. There is an earthy element in this nose at least for me. It's very earthy. I get what you're saying, Alora, about the rye bread. I completely agree. I even think there's a little bit of malt here, which even though though there's not um, a high percentage of malted barley in that mash bill, I'm I'm finding it pretty pretty loud here. That's interesting because I too am picking up on a malty element. Also, uh, Light cinnamon. It's not yeah. very pronounced. It's it's just there. I get a little bit of that too. This past week, I've been drinking a lot, a lot of bourbons that cinnamon is such a pronounced uh, element in it that I was actually surprised at how light this one is. And again, from this past week, I was picking up ginger in so many of the bourbons I was having. And I'm not getting any ginger on this one at all. Ginger is kind of an interesting spice. It's both sweet and spicy at the same time. And I tend to notice it more when I get in to, to taste it. Not a lot of alcohol on this nose. No. Um, it little. is really minimal. I was going to say, as far as noses go, this would be a good introductory nose, I think, to someone who may be new to whiskey because it is so gentle in its alcohol it's approachable in that way i don't know about the taste yet i haven't taken a sip but on the nose it's approachable for a lot of different skill levels shall we say there is a sweetness from fruit here too i'm getting berries but i wouldn't say it's a a strawberry or a raspberry or anything but it, it's a sweet berry of some sort. And I think there's an underlying layer, layer of cherry in this. I don't know if I get any cherry. I actually uh, have a couple of flavors as well. I'm getting a straw flavor. And then I'm also getting a little bit of nutmeg that goes well with the cinnamon. Okay. Another one about that fruity note. I've actually had a few apples. I'm getting apples. Boy, your nose is better than mine. I'm not getting the apple here. I'm getting a lot of, like, the Granny Smith. There's an element of sweet here in the fruit, though, that I can't put my finger on. I almost want to say it's like a, a, 
like a wild berry. I, I don't know if I could pin down exactly what type of berry, but it's very organic. Very huckleberry? Maybe. No. No, um, no, huck, no, no huckleberry. It, it just like it, it's over here in Idaho. But you, you're up in the mountains all the time. Sometimes when you go up in the mountains, you'll find a stray blackberry bush, and you'll have kind of the mountain air going on, maybe a bit of river going on, and you still smell that blackberry element. To me, it just smells like outdoorsy berry. Nothing particularly domestic. I can see there's a blackberry element there. I mean, it's really subtle. Yep. Blackberries are very sweet, but they do have that tartness to them. That's interesting. I don't know if I'm crazy about the nose. Yeah. I, I mean, like, yeah. I, I, it's approachable, but there's something going on with the malt-earth combo that is, like, throwing my nose a bit for a spin. It is a little simplistic. You know, as we, uh, we keep speaking about the berries, over here, where I am, there's a restaurant that does huckleberry creme brulee. There's a thing in that, actually. That's You know what? You are so right. It. You yeah. are so right. That's what it you is. You should try that. Yep. Actually, it is like, one of the most fantastic desserts like, out there. It, 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 there is a creme brulee element to that. That is really yep. interesting. I think even the bottle, I was looking at the bottle before we started all of this. I don't really ever look at bottles to get spoilers, so to speak, of what they think it is that we're supposed to taste. Because every distillery is going to hype up their product, as they should. It's just, you know, they put the effort in, they want to show it off. Sometimes you get other really good information in there on the back. This one, it talked about the coopering process, the aging process, so I thought that was really interesting. But they did kind of catch me um, with the flavor profile. And this bottle actually does hint at there being a creme brulee aroma. Good so, nosing, Alora. So good job, Alora. <laughs> I think you hit it on the head. I don't get any nuts. No. No sawdust. So, you know, when I first smelled this, I was curious because I knew I knew that Woodenville was in Washington and it's theoretically by the ocean. When I first smelled this, I was wondering if it had like a bit of a scotch flair to it because of how earthy it was. I'm sorry to all native Washingtonians. I don't know where Woodenville is. So I just looked up the distance from Woodenville to the ocean. I don't really know if it has any bearing, but it's about 100 miles from the ocean. That's interesting. Yeah. So. See, but it ages in central Washington, according mm -hmm. to the bottle. Mm -hmm. Over okay. the Cascade Mountains. So. Okay. So there wouldn't be any sort of seascape. It was not wide. But again, the wood is air dried. So, you know, you're still kind of getting the weather of Washington yeah. Yeah. coming in. That's so that, that's interesting. That is true. But this is a very earthy, like I was surprised at how earthy this thing was. Yeah. It, it's extremely earthy. So I got to go in. I got, I've got to, mm -hmm. I've got to take my first sip. Me too. That just, it catches me so off guard like i don't think there's a way to prepare for that taste like that it's got that heavy rye influence there's a heavy rye influence it's nutty it's extremely nice peanut butter straight up peanut butter on rye bread <laughs> straight up <laughs> i get more of the earth and like i again i i <laughs> I don't know if it's because you just said it, Alora, but now I am getting kind of like a ocean sort of element. It's predominantly sweet, but yeah. there is still almost like a scotch essence here. Yeah. That I wouldn't go so far as to say scotch, but it's so interesting that it's only 6% barley, yet the barley is playing a part here. 
I mean, maybe that's where I'm going with the scotch element because it's not smoky, it's not peaty, it's nothing like that. No. But it is very um, cut and dry. Yeah. You know. I do get a lot of straw in the taste. Like, I get a lot of grass. A bit of salt, too. Like, the salt you find in water. I'm yeah. getting toast that toasted wood element. This is an earthy pour. It's it's interesting because it's not overly dark. Mm. I mean, it, it's got a, a darkness to it, but it's not the darkest bourbon I've ever had. No, it's it's pretty red. Like, it's very ruddy. Well, that's true, I'd too. I'd say it's not dark. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of like a, like, it's the kind, if I were to describe, like, the brightness, light earth. Like, the kind of dirt that you find down in the park or even... In the forest, just kind of light. I mean, there's depth to it, but it's just—it's like dusty dirt. Yeah, it's like dusty dirt. <laughs> yeah, it's not your potting soil, organic, no. rich, dark soil. It, it's no, it's dusty dirt. It's just dry. Yeah, it is dry. It tastes dry. Yeah, like it, it's a dry where flavor <laughs> And 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 it's that. Maybe it's that dry grain you're you're picking up your straw element. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You're saying yeah. dry grain. I, I do get a lot of straw. It's it's interesting that both of you have mentioned herbal. I'm not getting a lot of herbalness out of this. I am getting the dry grain, but not so much to the hay element or the grassy element. I had written down grassy, but I really don't think in the sense that it's mowed grass no. it may be dried grass i think that it's the kind of grass that's it, it's it's tall grass that you get the big long shoots coming up out of that you see people chew on <laughs> you know it, it's that kind of grass this is not your white picket fence stereotypical suburbia front yard grass front yard grass <laughs> this is you know something that might have a bug or two on it that you're ripping out of the ground. <laughs> okay. I actually have to walk through that grass. I don't remember which time, whether it was on a camping, well, not camping trip, but it was like a, we went over to a camping ground and it might have been there. Or if it's fire or other field. Where I am, it's similar to, to Idaho and terrain. Just a bit more humid. Yeah, any berries that I take as uh, had on the nose, there's none of that here. Nope. Um, if if yep. there's any fruit at all, I would say they'd be dark fruit, maybe currants, maybe raisins, but beyond that, I really don't think there's a lot of fruit element here. I'm actually gonna kind of disagree with that. Okay. Uh, I kind of I'm, am too, but only slightly. Yeah, it, it really is not like, oh, you're wrong or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, I am, I'm actually getting a little bit of that apple flavor again. Like the Granny Smith apple. Because. Are you saying tart? No, it's just a tang that I find like with the Granny Smith apples that is similar in here. It's. I mentioned earlier that I get a lot of peanut butter. I know some people, not me, but I know some people will put peanut butter on apples. Mm -hmm. I can imagine what that kind of flavor would be like. I don't know for certain. I don't know. I think that a mixture like that could go well in something like this. Like if you were to have apples with peanut butter and then drink this, you'd probably be very happy. I don't know. I don't use creamer in my coffee. However, years ago, mom used to use creamer, hazelnut, hazelnut and I, I sense a, a nut like that. Not in the creamer, not, not creamy in the sense of that, mm -hmm. but more in the, the hazelnuts to me are always kind of bitter. Yep. And, and mm -hmm. I have a bitterness in the nut, whereas peanuts are more, they're actually pretty sweet. They're more buttery or something. Yeah. As opposed to walnuts, which are straight up bitter. I mean, walnuts are great. I love walnuts, but they're, this is not a walnut no, flavor. No, no. 
I can see what you're saying about the hazelnut. I actually do kind of get a bit of a raisin currenty element. I know you said, Dad, that you didn't. I, I wrote it down. It, it's it's there, but it's there's no predominant fruit I mean, that I would say jumps out and gets no, you. No, no. I, I think those two come along more in the finish than they do on the palate, but I'm jumping ahead a little bit in that regard. I, I think this is, again, very woody on the taste. Like if you soak a wood chip... Oh, yeah. If you were to bite that wood chip at all, that, that's kind of that, that's kind of what I get out of it. Like the nose, though, this very low alcohol yeah. present. This is not going to hurt you. Yeah, this is not assertive in any way. No. What chip the proof element. Is? 90. 90? 90 yeah. proof. Wood. I can understand that. It doesn't scream high proof to me. No. On that soaked wood chip element, I barbecue a lot. I can see an element of smokiness there on those wet chips. Um, it's not dry smoke per se. It's more of a damp smoke, but not soaked campfire type smoke. It's just a pleasant, a, a barbecue-y smoke. Yeah. Can you guys, it's okay if you're not, but can you guys detect like what kind of wood it is? It's like, oak. Whether it's yeah. It's oak. It's sturdy, it's sound, it's dense. Of course, all uh, bourbon has to be aged in newly charred oak barrels. It can't be a barrel that's been a part of the aging process of another alcohol, spirit, whatever. But this oak does feel older to me than other oaks do. Just because there is kind of that bitter element to it, it's like an oak that's really seen some age itself before being turned into a barrel. Yeah. Whether it's experienced some rough seasons or whatever, but it's it's not an oak that's had an easy time growing up. That's my impression. So this is dense. Yeah. The liquid feels dense. The bourbon itself feels dense. Yeah. Have either of you guys done a Kentucky Chew with this? I have not. But oh, it's yeah, on the it's... agenda. <laughs> <laughs> I just I, I just did one. My mouth really went into overdrive with salivating, more so than than I think it does when I do Kentucky Chews with other whiskeys. It wakes up the alcohol. That's what a Kentucky Chew is supposed to do. I do get more dried fruits coming out of it. I get more bitterness coming out of it, and the wood is a lot heavier on it too. I'd say that the Kentucky Chew and maybe even the palate as a whole is a bit unbalanced. And I think the Kentucky Chew wrapped that thought up for me pretty well to go, you know what, I don't know if this is, I don't know if how, I, I, I don't know if I want to call this a well-rounded offering. Well, just in, in thinking about what we have here, it's wood forward. Yeah. There's not a lot of fruit. So those two are unbalanced. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I just did a Kentucky Chew. Oh, it woke up the alcohol, right? I was like, oh, okay, all right, here it comes. And I swallowed it, and I got the taste of it, and I'm like, I'm just not getting a whole lot out of this. Yeah. It's not I mean, sugary. It's, there, no, there's no. no there's, there's not the classic caramel or the classic sugar, I, I brown it, sugar elements. I think it's just very dry or heavy. Yeah. Like I don't even get a whole lot of brininess. When I when I was tasting it, I could get the brininess, but as a finish, I don't know. I, I think it's if dry had a flavor, be this. Yeah. Whatever this finish is. Yeah. It's dry grass. It's dry dirt. It's dry wood. Yeah. I mean, when we took our first sips of this, the first thing I said was, wow, you could not be prepared for that kind of taste to come out of a bourbon. Because bourbons, by their nature, are very sweet. The corn element makes them sweet. You get either a lot of sugars or a lot of fruits. Those two things are usually pretty pre predominant. And you'll get other things being co-stars with them, like your spices, your earth, your wood. But when you have a bourbon that is so 
wood forward and so earth forward. It's very uncharacteristic of a bourbon. Uh, this, this is, this is like I agree with you, Hannah, it is unbalanced. There's not a lot of sweet to counter the wood and the spice. Those are the two dominant traits here. And I don't even think there's a lot of spice. I mean, like, there, there, there's, like, a little bit, I agree with Alora about, like, caraway seeds and fennel and whatnot. Which are odd things. Odd things. I don't really get a lot of pepper. I can't get the cinnamon or nutmeg. It's more on the herbal side of things. This is just kind of a, this is about the wood. This yeah. is about the earth. That's what this bottle is about. It's interesting. Yeah. I don't want to call this a meh, you know, M-E-H. <laughs> bourbon because it's it's better than that but i wouldn't i certainly wouldn't say that this is going to wow people into saying something fantastic i would say that it would be interesting to get a cask strength version of this that would be interesting because this may have been cut with enough water to where ah. it, it's been watered down you know what that is a total possibility. I could really see that. Yeah. You know, I was sipping it again. You guys get sand? I don't make like, it a habit to eat sand. Well, eat a lot of sand, do you? <laughs> I mean, but granted, we have been talking about dusty dirt, so. Yeah. Well, yeah, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be sand from the ocean, I don't think. It'd be sand, like, from by the river. I've had, um, baseball park sand. <laughs> I am <laughs> good for you. <laughs> I, I I have dabbled in that kind of sand um, tasting, more against my will than anything else. How does it feel in your mouth? I actually okay. This I really do like the mouth feel. Strangely enough, I think it's got a lot of grit. Maybe it's the sand. It's got a lot of grit. It's got a lot of tug. That's where it has a lot of character for me. I think the longer you hold it, your salivary glands go to work on it. Yeah. And it makes it really yeah. oily. But it's because the saliva is mixing in. And the saliva is trying to find something, to, to do something with this. The finish oh, yeah. is, is <laughs> changing gears real quick, the finish is very reminiscent of the palate. It's dark. Yeah. It's it's oaky. It's. I mean, I said earthy. this is where I got like the raisins and the currants. Yeah. I've even got firewood written down. Not necessarily like we're burning the firewood in a campfire, but if you just have your firewood set aside, ready to go, that's the kind of finish I'm getting. You know, you mentioned oil. It feels like oil. Like not the kind of really really sticky it's just like you know your normal olive oil olive oil yeah yeah it's got that kind of consistency but then i was thinking sesame oil well you would know like, i mean it, you're you're, you're the baker I, I, I cook a lot with uh sesame oil and, and soy sauce and murin um and sesame oil has a similar consistency to olive oil it's very 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 similar just a little bit more tangy than sesame seeds, but it did get me thinking. Maybe toasted sesame seeds could be included in this. Okay. Like at least for me. Yeah, interesting. Do you guys get any of the creme brulee? No, no, that's, that's all gone. That's gone. It's, yeah. that, that's too bad yeah, because too. that was a nice sensation on the nose. Yeah. Yeah, it was. So I think we've all kind of hinted at it, but overall thoughts. Not that impressed. It's not. When I first started drinking bourbon, I was like candy, sugar, all the way. Now it's like, well, no, I want to. I want to balance. Like I want to be able to have the oak. I want to have the fruit. I want to have the spices, and I want to have. I want to be finding new flavors with every sip. I want it to be a firework of flavors. It just isn't. Yeah. For me, it is kind of a meh bourbon, M-E-H. It is kind of meh for me. I 
I would have to agree. Um, I will say not to, you know, completely come down hard on this offering because they are a very new distillery too. That's something we haven't mentioned. They were, um, they were established okay. in 2010. So this isn't a distillery that's very old yet. In a lot of ways, they're still finding their feet. Whatever this, however old this is, it's going to be young. It hasn't reached its full maturity yet. There's still some of its first iteration in a barrel. I'm right. positive of it. But at the same time, yes, it is a bit one-note wonder kind of yep. thing. I will say that it's incredibly unique to what a bourbon is. Mm -hmm. You're really not going to get any other bourbon in this price tier anyway that's going to be this type of bourbon with the wood being the shining star. Remind me the price again. $40 ish. That's not, that's not terrible. No. Yeah. But for $40, I think I would try to find a, an Eagle rare. Yeah. Or I'd try to find, yeah. well, shoot. I'd even go back to the one we reviewed early last year. The, uh, uh old Forester 100 at yeah. 25 bucks. Yeah. I mean, that was good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this one, I think it's too watered down. It's lost its complexity through that. I agree. Yeah, you, you mentioned that they were a new distillery. I'd say, like, everyone has to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. Everyone does. You said 2010? That's what the bottle is saying, that it was established in 2010. So, now that doesn't mean they're putting yeah, anything in the in the barrel in 2010. That could right. just be, you know, all right, we've built a building. We've built a building. We've signed paperwork. And how many batches? Like, what's the rate of new batches? Well, that's a <laughs> that's a tough question because in in the world of bourbon. Any bourbon under four years old must contain an age statement. This bottle has no age statement. So right away that tells me it's four years old plus. A minimum. Yes. Yeah. So it could there could be a mixture of four-year-old bourbons. There could be six-year-old bourbons. There could even be some from those original batches that were laid down, you know, theoretically in 2010. Uh, realistically, there's probably not a lot of real old barrels in this because it's not that overly dark color. Far as colors go, if I were to just throw a name out there, I would say it's somewhere in the name of that that auburn color. I actually think it's darker than that. You but think it's darker than I, that? I, I do. I think it is pretty dark, um, but there is a lot of red in it, so that could be kind of fooling yeah. on the color notes. I do think it's young. I do think it's watered down. I do think that it's not a distillery or a product completely right off though. You know, it'll be yeah. interesting to see what kind of product As they're making matures. in 10 years. Yes. Give it another 10 years. Let's see where it's at. That's kind of my... I know that there are a lot of people out there that like the, the heavier hitters from Woodenville. They do make a cask strength version out there. And there's a lot of, uh, of fans of the cast strength. And that so, might be something we need to we need to check out. Put our toes yeah. in that pond. I, I love having distilleries around us that are local. We have another, there's another Washington distillery that we really love. That would be the Dry Fly Distillery. Up in Spokane. We really love a lot of their products. I love seeing craft distilleries. I love seeing... Everybody from around the country, not just in Kentucky or Tennessee, really get their hands dirty with this kind of stuff. I think it's really cool. I think it really shows a lot about yeah. where the industry is going, what the people want, and people being creative all over the place. That's it, great. I just want to see how this is in 10 years. <laughs> and a shameless plug, we have no vested interest in this whatsoever, no. but those of you up in the upper Midwest, uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota area, Go check out 45th Parallel. They've got awesome, awesome product. Uh, and if you can actually physically go to the distillery, not just, you know, obviously look for them in your liquor store, but if you can actually go to that dis distillery, the people there are great. They're 
incredibly knowledgeable and they're incredibly passionate yep. and they've got a lot to say about their product. Yep. But this isn't a story about them. <laughs> Maybe we'll do a, a review on a couple of their, we do have a few bottles from them yeah. in our in our bunker, so maybe we'll, yep. we'll do something yep. with, with them here. That would be a lot of fun. But coming back to Woodenville, let's see where you're at in 10 years. Let's see what you do. I, I, I want y'all to succeed. Yep. I really, really do. Absolutely. So let's move on to some uh, some news. This fortnight in whiskey. Now I'm not gonna burden everybody with five, six, seven weeks of news. I'm surprised that we've talked so much about this bourbon. So yeah, yeah that the, there is probably not a ton, a ton of time for for news, but I am interested. Yep. So simple news stories tonight. I just picked three. I've been uh, stockpiling news stories since our last podcast. I am going to put a page on our website that uh, kind of summarizes a bunch of stories. If you want to go go there, there'll be links to all these stories, citations to who, who put them out, and so on. But the first one I have is an important storage tip Four Roses follows for its bourbon. Everybody knows of Four Roses. The way bourbon barrels are stored has a significant impact on flavor. Some producers seek to protect their bourbon barrels from temperature fluctuations. Other distilleries create environments to where there's a bottom floor, there's a seventh floor, and, and as we all know, heat rises. So the temperatures within the rickhouse will change drastically. I so, mean, this one is very much, this Woodenville is very much an example of that. Let's go yeah. full throttle on weather and temperature. Yep. So in a seven-story rickhouse, the bottom floors could be 35 degrees cooler than the top floors. You're going to get a lot of angel share disappearing from those top, top floors. Four Roses doesn't do that. They have a single floor. Their temperatures in that one floor warehouse only vary by about 8 degrees. They also don't put any type of heaters or coolers in the warehouses. So they tend to stay around the same temperatures year-round, maybe dropping a little bit in the winter, maybe raising a little bit in the summer, but they always are about 8 degrees top to bottom. It's interesting because their bourbons are really unique because they do other things as well. They have different yeast strains. Yeah. They have different... Uh, barrel profiles. They have a lot of different things that are going on. So uh, we have a link to our the news story there. Kind of interesting. And then uh, the next one I've got for us is Michter's is coming back with their toasted rye finish. Toasted barrel rye finish. They were the first company to come out with toasted uh, bourbons. They did that back in uh, 2014. They basically, when we talk in terms of toast, what they're doing is they're, they're taking a barrel and they're heating it infrared, but they don't burn the inside of the barrel. They're just making the, the skin of the barrel a little darker brown, if you will. And then what they're doing is they have to age their rye and their bourbons in a charred barrel, but they pull them out of that barrel and put them in a toasted barrel. That could be anywhere from two to six months, sometimes a little longer, but Essentially, what they're doing is they're allowing the tannins from the from the toasted barrel to affect the bourbons and and their rise. So look for this one to start coming out here in uh, September this month. And their this release, their 2023 release, is said to have toffee-like aromas, a little bit of honey, some black walnut and a hint of campfire on the nose, and then uh, flavors of dark chocolate, salted caramel, cherry, and mint with a finish of spice and rounded out wood. Average barrel proof on these are going to be about 54% alcohol, and the uh, price is a little steeper at $120. Dang. We have, we have had the Michter's Toasted Barrel Bourbon. Yep. Um, that's a really good product. I really enjoy that one. 
that one's very rich that one's got a lot of fruit going on with it i love a rye i love a rye whiskey i'd be very interested to see what a toasted rye from michter's would do um but yeah 120 bucks that's yeah they're and, proud of that one <laughs> and last week last saturday i reviewed the toasted barrel bourbon from michter's you can find that review up on the website that was one of my 30 bourbons in 30 days. I think that was my day two. Now this last one, it's not quite timely as the season is winding down. People are not camping as much anymore, although there's still people doing it. Um, I read a story that says that alcoholic beverage that will keep bugs away while camping. Please tell me I've got a bug problem here. <laughs> <laughs> well, drinking is always different out in the wilderness by the campfire. Wouldn't you girls agree? Yeah. When we're out camping, sure. it's, it's different. But don't look at alcohol as just for drinking when you're out there camping. Now, before I go a whole lot further, I'm going to throw a disclaimer out here. Whiskey should not be the first choice for anything else that I'm going to say in this news story. But I found it quite interesting. Well, if it's something that you got to slather across your skin, you might as well be bathing in Germex. <laughs> because, <laughs> let me tell you, if you've ever had whiskey on a cup before, that hurts. Well, yeah, it does. <laughs> you know, that hurts. Yep. Anyway. I mean, to the inside of your mouth, it hurts. <laughs> you're crying. Well, back to that uh, wilderness camping. Unexpectedly, whiskey can come in handy to keep away the itchy, creepy crawlies. It shouldn't be the main insect repellent you have. However, if you forgot your bug spray at home, it can definitely do in a pinch. So here's how you're gonna use whiskey as an insect repellent. <laughs> Use a small amount of whiskey, a small amount to start, like a teaspoon mixed with a cup of water. Put it in a spray bottle and just kind of shoot yourself with it. <laughs> you don't need a whole lot to keep the bugs away. So, Laura, you can now go after your gnats with whiskey. <laughs> Maybe find some cheap whiskey for that. Yes. It, you know, don't, don't, you know, yeah. don't be grabbing any... Old Forester 1920 that yep. you do that with. If you don't have a spray bottle, poke two or three holes <laughs> in the top of a water bottle and then just kind of sprinkle it on yourself. Wow. Rub it in. Get some screwball for that. that no, 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 no. You don't want to do that. that'd be super sugary. You'd, you'd be yep. attracting them with, with anything uh, yep. flavored. Aim for the whiskeys <laughs> with no sugars. <laughs> if you're going camping, just make a campfire. Smoke, guaranteed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't use Fireball. Don't use uh, any of that peanut butter stuff. You want to keep the sugars away. So it's said to work fairly well. Okay. <laughs> so there's some okay. other there's some other handy uses out there for whiskey when you're camping. So let's say if your campground is wet and the dry wood can't be found. You can use a little bit of whiskey as an accelerant to light kindling. Okay, it also will help keep the flames going. Now, you don't want to douse your wood in whiskey. That's not, I mean, that's a bad use of whiskey. But also, hey, if you forgot your first aid kit and you have a cold, make yourself a hot toddy. Whiskey, honey, and lemon. You know, good for the throat. It promotes decongestion, and it helps induce sleep. <laughs> oh, good Lord. I feel like this whole article, did it come with, like, a warning label of, you know, of some sort of... Not to be taken seriously, or, you know, like, I get it, this works, but, you know, please don't hurt yourselves through the use of whiskey while you're out camping. Well, that's Just, why I put the disclaimer in. <laughs> or you get a nasty cut or you scrape your knee that will that will hurt pour a little whiskey yeah, on the wound will hurt now this isn't recommended for a first line of defense uh, <laughs> whiskey on a cut is going to be painful 
I mean, how many Westerns have you seen? The guy got shot, so they pour a little whiskey in the bullet hole before they dig the bullet out. Yeah, and all of those Westerns are based in, like, the 1800s and the <laughs> early 1900s. Drink it. Instead of, you know, make it feel like it's being chopped up. Just yep. make it stick for a little while. Yep. That'll be different. Oh, well, it'll make you drunk as well. That, yep. That'll help. <laughs> and as I said, it isn't recommended for a first line of defense here, as uh, whiskey can actually harm healthy tissue and slow healing, but it will keep the cut from getting infected as long as you have a bandage to cover it up afterwards. And as I said, <laughs> Whiskey should not be the first line of defense for any of the conditions above. But if you've got it along and you've forgot your bug spray, shoot, give it a try. But don't forget your bug spray. <laughs> Seriously, don't, don't. don't forget your lighter fluid. Same. Don't forget your first aid kit. Don't forget any of those other things. Save your whiskey you for drinking. To, you have to double check, triple check, quadruple check your list of things and then do a final check before you leave by god do it <laughs> well they also because said in the article <laughs> they also said in the out in the article don't drink while you're packing maybe oh, that's, yeah. that's uh, what probably made you forget to bring the stuff probably <laughs> holly i find it dumb that people have to be told <laughs> Enough. You were telling us earlier about these people that you work with? 141 children, yeah. <laughs> Don't give them whiskey. <laughs> I'm not telling them this article. <laughs> I'm not showing them, like, I don't think any of them know that I drink with. Alright. Well, those are my <laughs> news stories that I chose. I had, I don't know, 30 news stories or more to choose from. I thought we'd make this a little light and fun here to close it out. Uh, setting up our stage for this series, uh, we've got a lot planned. They're going to be some fun ones. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to do an educational how to build an infinity bottle. This is something we get asked about a lot, and we do have resources for it on our website, but it's shocking how many people really seem to gravitate towards this. I don't know if it's a part of this new craze that people are wanting to dabble in try it out but we're gonna we're gonna talk about our infinity bottle we're gonna talk about our infinity bottle because absolutely we, we've got an infinity bottle and we're gonna have a full one here very soon so that'll be fun to to crack it open i'll have to get I could share it with you. yeah we're gonna we're gonna have to figure out how we're gonna get it to you somehow maybe you can create your own you've got a starter kit <laughs> Get the next more out. Spoiler. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And then we're going to do a uh, a slow pour. We don't really know what our feature is going to be there, but it's going to be one where we just kick back and relax and talk about goofy stuff and enjoy ourselves together. Uh, we got a couple of interviews planned. I can't spill the beans on who we're going to do those with. Uh, haven't locked them in yet, and I don't want to uh, cause any grief with anybody. Uh, I thought we'd do a spotlight. We did a spotlight on proof last series. I think we did 90 proof. We did. Let's step it up a notch and go to uh, Bottle and Bond. We're going to go nice. up to that 100 proof. Cool. Does that work with you guys? That works for me. That and then works. And then we're going to be doing a spotlight on distillery. This is another one of those ones that we did last season as well. I actually really enjoyed our spotlight series. It kind of gave us a flight of during both of those spotlights to really test out differences and get commonalities and talk about a lot of stories that are really integral to the industry. So it's a lot of fun. Uh, we've got another interview that'll be after that. Like Dad said, yeah. a couple of interviews this season. So that'll be extremely exciting. We had a lot of fun with uh, Greg Walters and, and then when we brought uh, Ben and Chris, and Chris yeah. in uh, for one of our features. So we thought we'd do that again. We'll do a live stream. We'll do a call-in show. Uh, maybe that'll be a third interview. Who knows? <laughs> and then we'll do another one of those educational ones. Uh, I had a lot of fun with that history program that I did. I hope you listeners enjoyed it as well. 
And then lastly, we're going to do another listener's pick uh, from our bunker. Uh, we, we may have some surprises there, or maybe we'll just pick out a brand new one no one's seen on the shelves yet. I know that with, uh, with our show, you know, the purpose of having these review episodes like with Woodenville and like what we did with the old Forester 100 last season, um, it was intended to find a bottle that could be easily accessible, not too heavy on the price point, um, something that you could try with us readily. Uh, these listener pick ones are really ones where we get to have so much fun really throw open the door of possibility of what we can do and we like to take y'all on that journey with us because it is sometimes those bottles are a bit more on the rare side or a bit inaccessible now if they're old but still a lot of fun and we want to include everybody on that experience when we review them. And a possible wrinkle here uh, I've had some input from some of the local whiskey group that I belong to Several people have said, hey, we want to do it with you. So, uh -huh. may, so maybe we have a live stream whiskey review of multiple bottles with multiple friends. That could be a lot of fun. We've got I a lot of things we can do here. This is going to be a fun, fun season. We are in our season two, but we are still little fledglings in the podcast world and in this particular thing. We've had our blog for a few years now. We've absolutely loved it. Doing this podcast is the really next big adventure. We love doing it too. Interacting with each other in this way, in this format, is really new, really refreshing. Really excited to see where it goes and how many more different things we can try out with all of you guys. That would be a lot of fun if we could do that joint review section. That, that would be really 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 cool i'd love that be an eye-opening experience so yeah. many so many flavors i want like, to be told i'm wrong I, I want someone to look me in the face <laughs> and go hannah you're full of it i i don't like i just want that I want that to happen well Please. either we can make it happen yeah, or i can do that right now <laughs> y'all agreed with me on this one it doesn't work today all right all right well, guys, this has been a lot of fun. So, Alora looks like she's ready to do a cheer. We're going to do our <laughs> clinking of the glasses. Have you practiced? I got to tell everybody, listeners, oh, you can't God. see. I wish you could. She has a pen lined up with her glass ready to clink it. It's just... I'm not going to get my other glasses and be like, I'm a clarinetist, I'm not a percussionist. Yeah. Well, that's a good thought. Just don't break your glass. Don't break them. All right. So, guys, as we end every show, we clang our glass. Cheers, everybody. Cheers.